Grace, mercy and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I told you there was going to be a quiz. Here it is. How was Elijah in that first reading taken up to heaven? Yes? Chariot of fire? Any other suggestions? Someone's going like this at the back. Do you need the fan on or no? <laughs> a whirlwind that was representing. Any other suggestions? All right, who thinks chariots of fire? Who thinks whirlwind? Oh, I, there was more commitment in the 8.30 service. <laughs> there's no prize, but there's no punishment either. You can commit. All right, let's have a look. He went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Now, I'm not here to embarrass anybody because I actually thought up until about three days ago that it was in the fire. I'd read that passage so many times but I'd never obviously read it properly. And indeed, Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. Now, I bring that up here because in our Gospel reading, we're going to be looking at two things. One is the transfiguration of Jesus and what that is all about for him then, for us now, as individuals, as congregation, as LCA, but also the command from God. This is my son, whom I love, listen to him. And that might mean sometimes we need to leave behind all of our predetermined thoughts, all of our experience, all of our comfort zone, to actually be able to listen to what Jesus has got to say and follow him obediently. Um, I shared, I think, maybe, well, I've shared a few times, I think, but even uh, when I was processing this call, um, I was a pastor gets four weeks to discern a call and I was three and a half weeks in and I was meditating and praying and I'm thinking, no, Wednesday night of the fourth week, I was thinking, no, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with the manual. I'm pretty comfortable that that's where I'm supposed to stay. Pretty comfortable. There's some things there that I still need to finish off. So uh, I'll wait to the end of the four weeks, but then I'll tell uh, St. Mark's that I'm not coming. My morning devotion on Thursday morning read, God does not call us to be comfortable. He calls us to be obedient. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lord, I hear you. But I'm stoked to be here. I really am. So we need to listen to God, we need to listen carefully, we need to listen to Jesus and really discern what it is he's saying for each of us. So what's this all about then? Mark tells us after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John, his inner circle, his closest friends, his closest apostles, takes them up a high mountain where they're alone. After six days, six days after what? Well, if we go back a little bit into chapter 8, there are a few significant things that happened that I think actually play into God talking to Peter, James and John on the mountain the way that he did. One is, just a little bit back, Jesus was saying to his disciples, who do people say I am? Of course, the disciples are saying, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say a prophet. Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Holy One. And Jesus commends Peter for this revelation. It looks like Peter's finally got it. He's worked it out. He's on the money. Then in the very next set of verses, we see that... Oh, what have I done there? There we go. Then Jesus begins to tell them that he must suffer many things, that he must be killed, and that he will rise again after three days. And Peter pipes up again, Surely, Lord, this cannot happen to you. And he rebukes, Peter rebukes Jesus, to which Jesus rebukes Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. You're still thinking about earthly things. You're thinking about human concerns. You're not thinking about heavenly concerns. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying to you. 
And then Jesus turns to the crowd and says, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross. Follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me or the gospel will save it. He wants them to listen to him. These are important teachings. These are critical teachings as he's going forward in his final walk to the cross. So, after six days, on top of the mountain, Jesus is transfigured. What does that mean? The word that all of the Gospel writers who record this event use is metamorpho, the Greek word which, from which we get metamorphosis. Clearly, which is why I played the video about the butterfly earlier. But as I was investigating this whole word, metamorphosis, what does that actually mean? It means a complete transformation, a complete transfiguration. In the case of the, the old butterfly, they lay the eggs, the eggs turn into lava, or the, the lava hatches out of the egg. And notice that when the little lava was hatching out of its egg, it went back and it ate the egg casing. Nothing gets wasted. Everything gets used. God gives that little egg in the first place everything it needs to become a fully-fledged butterfly at the end. So the little larva hatches out, then eventually it goes into that J form and that amazing process happens where the chrysalis shell forms around the caterpillar and then it goes crusty and it, and it stays hard for a period of time. And the time varies depending on the location and the climate. It can be anything from a few days to a few weeks. And then out comes this amazing butterfly. But the thing that uh, I found most interesting when I was researching this was in that larva stage, in that grub stage, the caterpillar stage, there's actually five different stages of molt. So the first little larva that pops out is quite tiny. It's only got little buds for legs. All it can really do is eat. And so it does. It eats its shell and it starts eating the leaves that it's sitting on. And then it molts. And the new caterpillar that comes out of the shell is a little bit bigger. The legs are a little bit longer. It's starting to grow tentacles. But really all it can still do is eat. But it's a little bit more capable than it was before. A little bit prettier than it was before. Then it molts again. And a slightly bigger caterpillar evolves. And that's got slightly longer legs and it's got a few more legs and the tentacles are a little bit longer. And then it molts again. So it does that five times until we get to that quite pretty monarch caterpillar with the stripes and lots of legs and long tentacles at both ends of the caterpillar. And to me, that says a lot to me, certainly about my spiritual journey. Uh, you guys probably will became fully-fledged Christians as soon as you came out of the egg. I don't know. But for me, I've been through several iterations in my spiritual formation. And at the beginning, I was, you know, a, a tiny Christian and I wasn't very capable and I didn't know very much. But then I fed on God's word and, and my preachers and my mentors fed me and I grew and I molted and I became a little bit bigger and I became a little bit more capable and hopefully a little bit prettier. That's, that's probably open to conjecture, but we'll see. And then I fed some more and then I molted again and I became a little bit more capable until I finally got to being a big grub, a big caterpillar but I was much more capable than I had been at the beginning. But what happens next is the most fascinating part for me. That caterpillar then goes into that chrysalis stage. The shell forms around it. And I've always thought that parts of the caterpillar became parts of the butterfly and it just sort of transformed somehow in there. But that's not actually what happens. The grub has a complete meltdown. Inside that chrysalis shell, enzymes are released and the caterpillar dissolves, completely dissolves into a gelatinous mush, into a whole mush of proteins that then start to form into the new butterfly. God, in his amazing creation design, has put all of the cells in the egg in the first place, carries them through the larva, 
all the, all the cells that it needs to form a butterfly. And they're in there right from the start. God gives that little egg everything it needs, all the resources it needs. When it goes into the chrysalis, melts into all these proteins, then those cells start to grow. And those cells feed on those proteins that used to be a caterpillar and bits of butterfly start to form. The legs and the wings and the muscles and the torso and the head and everything. And eventually then, as you notice, when it broke out of the chrysalis, nothing dripped out, did it? Everything was used up. The chrysalis had everything it needed and nothing it didn't need to be able to form a fully-fledged butterfly. And then once it breaks out of that crusty old shell, the butterfly pumps some fluid into its wings. You saw the wings gradually straighten out and dry out, and then the butterfly flies away. An entirely different creature to what went into that crusty shell. So for me, you know, maybe it's certainly... I've experienced several meltdowns in my spiritual walk where God has just completely reconfigured me, completely changed me from what I was before. He's turned me into mush, absolutely pulverised me, and then brought me out as a beautiful butterfly, so to speak, (laughs) out the other side. That's one of the ways that God works. And I wonder if you can even assimilate that to perhaps some of your spiritual journey as well, where you've been through some really tough times, you felt mush, you felt pulverised but God has actually brought you out and he's given you everything you needed to come out the other side of that stage more beautiful, more capable than you ever were before. And he gives us wings so that we can fly. We're not just a grub that's stuck to a leaf. We each can fly and God gives us that ability to do that. I find it just a fascinating process and I encourage you to to dwell on that and see how that equates to where you are now. You might still be a grub, I don't know. And if you are, that's okay, because there are big things in store for you. You might already be a butterfly, and that's fantastic as well. Paul says in Romans, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. As I said to the children, that's part of what happens to us in baptism. God replaces our heart, a heart of stone, a human heart, with a heart of love, a godly heart. His Holy Spirit works within us, throughout our entire life and gradually transfigures us, gradually transforms us to be more and more like Jesus, gradually makes us more and more capable, more and more beautiful in God's eyes. Paul also says, don't conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. And then you'll be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. The more we dwell on God, the more we feed on his word, the more we come to know what his will is for us and the more capable we become to follow his will and carry his will out through the spirit that lives within us. I wonder how that then translates to us as a congregation. Where are we now as a congregation and where is God going for us? I believe God's placed quite a large vision on my heart for St Mark's congregation in this community as we go forward and serve this community. But the vision is way, way bigger than me. So I need each and every one of you. I need your support. I need your prayers. I need your interaction. I need your advice. As we step forward and see what it is that God's actually calling us into, I find it really exciting. The community is going ahead in leaps and bounds. We want to make sure we are in step with that, that we're on board with that, and that we're out there and people know who we are and what we stand for. Interestingly, when Bishop Brooks 
Brooke, I should say, uh, did his first presentation to uh, the district council last year. He wrote a paper for them that was titled Listening to God, the Next Steps for the SANT District in the 2024. And of course, the bit I just skipped over was God talking to the apostles, but also talking to us to make sure that we listen to Jesus, that we open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds to whatever it is that God might be calling us into. So we need to listen and be prepared to hear what it is that God is calling us into. But the words that Bishop Brooke gave to DCC and the words that they've adopted to go forward throughout this year are these passages. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? There's no secret that this year will be a tough year for the LCA. We have no idea how things are going to turn out as we progress through this year. But the most important thing we can do is open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds to whatever it is that Jesus is saying to us as individuals and as a congregation to stay in step, to look forward to the new things that God wants to do, to be open to those new things, whatever they are, to be prepared to make some changes but to keep hold of the important things. What I love about the whole analogy of the butterfly is that the DNA of the butterfly was always there. That never got destroyed. One minute it looked like a caterpillar. Days, weeks later, it looked like a butterfly. But the DNA, the fundamentals, were always there. And I believe that could also be the case for our LCA throughout this year, that our DNA won't change. What we hold true will always stay the same and we'll stick to those values, those teachings. But the way we look outside to other people might change a lot. I don't know. But we've got to be open to God's change and be ready. Most importantly, the second passage that the DCC have taken on, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We are one church, we have one Christ, one God, one faith to follow, to stick to, to pray to. We have one unity to dwell in and to value and to preserve and to protect. That's the most important thing we need to keep, I think, is our unity and keep our lines of communication open. And even when we don't agree, know that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ and trust our Lord and Saviour to lead us to wherever we're going next. The third passage was, since we live in the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Listening to Jesus, he's already gone before us. He will never take us anywhere he hasn't gone before. And he will take us one step at a time into the future, into whatever the glorious butterfly is, that we are to become. So I pray that uh, as we go forward that you would continue to open your eyes and ears and hearts and minds wherever it is that Jesus has to say to you. He might speak to us collectively, he might speak to us individually. If God's placed a vision on your heart, I encourage you to tell me about that. I would love to know. And let's see what sort of things God is calling us into to see how we can further his kingdom as one body in Christ as we go forward. May the peace of God, which is beyond our human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.